This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 9, and our guest today is Katie Doderer-Pyle. She is a dairy farmer in Maryland, and she's going to talk to us today about how their dairy farm got started, her background in the dairy industry, and a bunch of good stuff about dairy, talking about some issues going on in the industry. A lot of family farms are going under, especially dairy farms. Um, Prices of milk going up, and just kind of how she sees the consumer farmer relation in terms of dairy and all things agriculture. So... Thanks for stopping by and hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, Katie Doderer-Pyle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. So you are a dairy farmer in Maryland. Walk us through how you got started. Okay. Yeah. So I've only actually been in the state of Maryland for five years. Um, I grew up in the state of Pennsylvania, actually, smack dab in the middle. I grew up half hour north of Penn State. Um, did not go to Penn State, but uh, right right in the middle of it. So I grew up on my family dairy and love my family. But and, and my whole goal was to, like, my whole goal of growing up was to be part of the third generation at home. It didn't work out. <laughs> I love my family, but we just, you know, there's there's three generations there, and sometimes you just don't get along with each other. Um, my grandfather who started the farm is 91 and he still comes to work every day. He also rides a motorcycle at 91. So there's that. Uh, so he's, you know, still active. Then it's my, my uncle and my, my dad, second generation. Then third generation, I have a brother and sister back home and two cousins. So I actually met my husband at a near, another dairy farm. And my husband grew up on a dairy farm, also his third generation in the state of Vermont. We met at a dairy farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I actually took his job. Ha ha. And uh, uh, he always wanted to have his own farm. Now, his family sold their farm back in 2006. 
Um, but he always wanted to have his own dairy. And I just thought it was like this crazy idea that would go away someday. It was not. Uh, because we went back to my family dairy, um, you know, where I thought I was going to be the rest of my life. And we were there for a year and a half, and we decided to strike out and start our own farm, which it seemed crazy, and it's still crazy. <laughs> so we started our own dairy farm in 2009, and we actually went to um, Weir's Cave, Virginia to start. So we started, it's 10 years ago this year, actually. We started with 90 cows. And so fast forward, we rented two facilities, you know, trying, like I was 23 when I, when I started my own, my own business. Um, and we started with a $300,000 loan just for cows. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. Crazy, right? 23. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so fast forward to five years ago, um, after renting farms, uh, we ended up and bought this one here in Union Bridge, Maryland. So now... We have grown significantly from 90 cows. We uh, we have a total of 800, and out of those 800, we milk 370 two times a day, every single day, 365 days a year. So my background is like I'm all I know is dairy. That's that's what I grew up with, and it's still what I do today. So walk us through the typical day of a dairy farmer. Now I know you guys are up way before the crack of dawn, and you go to bed middle of the night sometimes. So what's what's the typical day like for a dairy farmer? Okay, so typical day is, and my day varies because I also teach part-time to make ends meet right now, but um, a typical day just on the farm, we are up at, we're supposed to be before, usually that last alarm clock goes off at like 4.30, uh, but we're at 4.30, we're at the barn by 5. Our commute is like a five-minute walk, which is pretty sweet. So um, we start milking at 5 a.m., and uh, milking takes about four and a half hours, five if you want to count all set up and tear down and all that. Um, so milking gets done, calves are fed, and all of those chores take you till about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then after that, it's herd health, which means we're taking care of any cows that have any issues, um, any sick cows, and we're, const we're constantly cleaning, right? Because the higher quality milk that you ship as a farmer, the more you get paid. So it's just common sense that you're going to keep things tip-top shape. Um, something's always breaking, so you're fixing something on a daily basis. Um, and so, yeah, the rest of the cow or the rest of the day in between milkings, because then um, we're going to start milking here in another hour, so at 5 o'clock tonight, uh, and that will go till 10 o'clock uh, this evening. So in between those two milkings, it's making sure our cows you know, get the attention that they need, um, and fixing stuff and just, you know, making things, making things go. What kind of milking parlor do you guys have? We have uh, what you call a herringbone. So we can milk 12 cows on each side. So you can milk 24 cows at a time. We're averaging about, it's a little under a hundred cows an hour. Uh, so it's a herringbone, which means when those cows come in, they're not like there's parallel parlors where they are obviously parallel to each other, but a herringbone, they're kind of at a slight angle. So the milker goes on the cow from the side instead of between their rear legs. I do not like it. I prefer rotaries or parallel, but didn't really have a choice when you buy a farm with a herringbone. So. so the dairy industry is really having some struggles right now. The, the price of milk keeps dropping and dairy farms are going out of business. So what's the state of Maryland dairy right now? It's pretty horrible. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat this at all. Um, you're right, farmers, we are seeing um, a huge increase in farmer suicides every month. It's really, really heartbreaking. 
because this is not just a job for us. This is our livelihood. And for a lot of us, this is what we grew up doing and we don't really know me different. And, you know, when you put your life and your, you know, everything that you know and everything that you own and into your cows and then not to, you know, at the end of the day, you're not getting paid for all the work you do. And, you know, my husband is a, is a prime example. The man puts 14 hours in every single day. I mean, he's up at that barn for 5 a.m. And most nights he doesn't get home until 7 and or, or even later. And we don't have a paycheck to show for that. That's why I have to teach part-time right now. And, yeah, milk prices are – a lot of people don't understand what affects them. We are one of the very few industries that we can't control the price for our, for our product very well um, because it's a commodity. So two big factors play into milk price. One is exports. As a whole, the U.S., we export milk. And when I say that, it's not fluid milk, right, because it's perishable. So a lot of it's in milk powder, cheese, butter, things like that. As a whole, the U.S., we export 18%. And so our biggest customer is Mexico. Um, the next biggest customer is China. So, you know, it all depends on what's going on with those countries. China overbought from us back in 2013, so they have a lot of inventory, so that's why they're not buying a lot now. And the other big factor that plays into milk price is domestic demand. And so a lot of people here in the U.S., they just, they don't drink milk anymore. And unfortunately, um, that comes, because you know, through these bogus, you know, celebrity endorsements and these diets that are dairy-free this, dairy-free that. And what really bothers me with that is people have forgotten the nutrition in milk, the nutrient value you get through dairy. Um, and so, you know, I have a hashtag that I use a lot on my posts. It's Ask Farmers Not Google. And I have sometimes tweaked that to Ask Farmers Not Dr. Oz, Ask Farmers Not Natalie Portman, because these people have never set foot on a dairy farm Yet people believe what they say because they're Dr. Oz, because they're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Farmers are less than 2% of the population. So we have a very, very small voice compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't understand why more people don't go to actual farms to see what's going on, like how their food is being made instead of just trusting the celebrities that have absolutely no idea. Yeah, and you know, it's, I love farm tours. absolutely love it because I get to witness what I call the light bulb moment. And then it's when somebody, you know, who's genuinely curious, who wants to know where their food comes from, rightly so, man. You should know, you should want to know what's what's behind your food, what the origin is. And so when people come here and see things firsthand, see it with their own eyes, they're like, oh man, I didn't know this. I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of just want to be like, uh I can't tell you how many times, especially with women, they don't understand the milking process until you compare it to breastfeeding or pumping. And it's like, guys, it's pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like we just, there's such a gap between farming and and consumers, which, you know, as a farmer and a big advocate, I do, I try, I try my hardest. Um, I run our Facebook and Instagram feeds I just started a merchandise website that you can learn a little bit more about us through. Um, but again, with being less than 2%, it's a really, really hard thing to do. And I just, especially today, um, I just feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle with, with all the voices out there right yeah. now. The state yeah. of Holland is, I think, really bad compared to most. Um, I've had a lot of neighbors go out of business in the last few months even. Um, and here in the state of Maryland, there used to be over a 1,000 dairies. We are currently right now below 400. 
that tells you anything. And, you know, we've got big metropolitan areas. Like, we're only 45 minutes from Baltimore. We're 65 miles from Washington, D.C. With, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why dairy is going out, but prices are definitely number one right now. And, you know, it's not because we're, we're bad managers or we're bad business people. Like, yeah, exactly. we've been through equity for four years now. And when you are not... You know, I did a financial video last year, and I put my finances on the table for people to see. People have no idea that it cost me $25,000 a month just to feed the 370 cows here at this farm. Wow. Yeah, people just, you know, and when people want to complain about their electric bill, and I was like, yeah, well, ours is six grand, so. That's so much for electricity. I can't believe it. Um, so I found you on Instagram and you've got, you seem to have a pretty big social media presence. So how have you used social media to inform consumers about your business and to kind of, kind of build your brand? Um, so I definitely use it. People love cows. Like it's really funny. And we've learned as an industry that people love, what they love more than cows is humans with cows. Because if you haven't grown up on a farm, cows are scary to people, right? They're these huge, huge animals. I mean, they're, they weigh anywhere from 700 to 2000 pounds. But what people don't realize is they're gentle giants. I actually had mine out for a walk yesterday. They it, So, I mean, we're I'm trying to reach people that have never set foot on a farm, and maybe they never will, but at least they can get a glimpse of it through social channels. And I also, you know, I don't like to post just about the farm any time, all the time. What I like to do is um, I want people to see that farmers are just like other people. We are human. We like the same things. Um, you know, I like... I'm, I'm, I'm a straight up, like typical female. I like to get my hair done every, you know, every six, eight weeks. Um, I, the one I just posted today, not farm related. I have seasonal depression. I'm really jealous of you in Florida right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I try to do an equal balance of this is life on the farm. I do a lot. Um, my job here is mainly on the farm is uh, feeding calves. So I take care of our young stock. And then I also speak Spanish. So um, some of our team members here at Cal Comfort Inn are Spanish speakers. So um, it's just really great to be able to to speak with them and learn about their culture all the time. And so I just like to, I like an, an equal balance of farm life, but showing people that we're real people too. I mean, the negativity, I've been through that. I've been attacked by so many hateful vegans. And I have nothing against vegans. Like, there's a difference between vegans and hateful vegans. But when you get Absolutely. it, you, you, I've been attacked relentlessly. I mean, these people, they, they think, you know, they tell you they're such compassionate people. But the death threats that I've gotten, like, they don't phase me anymore. You know, there's been times where I'm like, um, why, do, why do I even post this stuff anymore? But for every negative comment that I've received, and I think a lot of other advocates would say the same, you have five other positive comments or really conversations and engagements with people that they're just so appreciative that you're sharing your life with them because otherwise, had they not followed you or not known you, they would never know what goes into to dairy production. So what are some consumer misconceptions that you see towards the dairy industry? Oh my gosh, where do I start? I think the big one I like to hit on right away is antibiotics. You know, I always ask people when I do a farm tour, we always I take them to the hospital pen. And I, you know, ask them, okay, if you have an infection, you go to the doctor, yes? And they say, yes. And I said, okay, what does the doctor prescribe to you? And they tell me an antibiotic. Well, shouldn't I be able to do the same thing with my cows? But then I go on to explain that any cow that receives an antibiotic is separated from the herd. We can't sell that milk. You know, antibiotics are illegal in milk. And a lot of people don't know that. 
Um, another big thing people get hung up on is hormones. I think a lot of people forget seventh grade biology. Every living thing has hormones. Your lettuce has hormones. All your produce has hormones. So yeah, cows are living beings. They have hormones. Are there hormones in your milk? Natural ones, yes. Added ones, no. That used to be a thing 10, 15 years ago, but it is no longer anymore. Um, another one is is uh, animal welfare. You know, I it blows my mind that people think we abuse our cows. Our cows are our livelihood. We, you know, we have a saying in the industry, if you take care of your cows, your cows will take care of you. It is common sense that you're going to take the utmost care of your cow because in return, you want that milk production, you want to have a healthy calf, so it's stupid to abuse them. Are there, are there bad apples in every industry? Of course there are. But I can, you know, I, I assure people that the bad people or the bad apples in the industry, they don't stay in business very long because you can't. It's not... It's not a sustainable way of doing business. So those are like, I guess, the top three that I hit on. I mean, I could go into environmental stuff and all that too, but there's a lot of misconceptions out there that people, again, refuse to ask an actual farmer about. So let me get your thoughts on different types of milk, like almond milk, soy milk. What are your thoughts on those milk products that aren't actually milk? Yeah, my first thought was they're not milk. I call them milk juices. They, you know what? I'm all for people having choices, right? Like if that's what floats your boat, by all means, go for it. What really upsets me though is, you know, there is a reason why FDA and USDA require a nutrition label on every product. And they also require an ingredients label. I bet if most people would actually read those labels, they might be, I don't know, disgusted by what they're ingesting. Um, again, I, I just, I really think people are like, oh, this packaging looks pretty. Or it doesn't come from an animal. It's all plant-based, so it must be better for you. Um, no. If you would actually compare, one, the nutrients in it, and by that I mean look at your protein source, your calcium. What gets me the most is people are like, oh, well, soy milk has more calcium. Okay, here's the thing. Big difference between your nut beverages and real dairy milk. Calcium is awesome, right? We all know calcium builds strong bones and, and muscle. What people do not remember is vitamin D is crucial in absorbing that calcium. If you don't have that vitamin D, that calcium is not doing a whole heck of a lot for you. Vitamin D has been added to milk since the 1920s because of rickets disease. And rickets disease was a bone crippling disease that a lot of kids were getting because they weren't getting enough calcium absorbing their bones. Nut juices don't have that crap. So while I'm all for consumers having choices, I don't like that the educational aspect of that, like people are just so misinformed when it comes to those, those beverage options. What are some short-term and long-term goals that you guys have for your operation? That's a really good question today because, um, <laughs> You know, we're just, we're like a lot of dairy farmers right now. And we're just like, do we hang on? Do we sell? Do we, um, you know, we look at people that don't have a dairy farm and we're like, maybe we, we would like that life better because, you know, we have the stresses everybody else does, but then we have a stress of a business and it, and not just any business, a business that includes the livestock. Um, so to answer your question, we've been, I mean, my husband and I've been back and forth on this a lot because. Um, I don't think getting bigger is the answer. There's already too much milk on the market, so that just seems stupid to me. We've talked about downsizing. 
but there again, if you downsize, you I need to still make sure I can make my mortgage payment on a smaller a smaller herd, which means smaller um, production numbers. And uh, it's a business. I mean, you, you it's I don't care what anybody says. It's a business. Um, we talked about robots because finding people to milk cows anymore is very, very difficult. It is, you know, it's not a fun job. It's your, you smell like cows and manure by the time you're done. So we're looking at, you know, maybe robots. Um, I would love to have some type of creamery. Um, actually, I would like to do a distillery and I don't want to give away any good ideas in case somebody steals them, but. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart, smart. Um, I would love to do something with a distillery and dairy all at the same time. But there again, as first generation, we don't have the equity or the backup that multi-generational farms have. So we're kind of uh, right at a disadvantage when it comes to that. So I kind of need a private investor. So if you know of anybody with lots of money. Well, Katie, this has been a really cool conversation and learning about all things dairy and more about your operation. Um, if, if people want to learn more about your business or fi find you on social media, where can they go? Our farm name is Cow Comfort in Dairy, like the hotel. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions whatsoever, I'm serious about Ask a Farmer, Not Google. You know, you can PM me, DM me. Those are the two best ways to get to me. Um, and you can check out our shop, too, with that, that logo on it. I think I have a link now on my Facebook page. So, gotcha. yeah, and thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me to do this. Well, Katie, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Hey, everyone. We're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. And that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films. Download the app and watch and listen anywhere. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.